My, this message today has a number of different thoughts that prayerfully at the end of the message you'll see how they all work together. So I'm just going to ask that you allow me just some time to unpack this this morning. Um, but I got a picture as well while I was worshiping down there of a filter. And many times we, you know how you have a, a strainer. And many times the strainer that we live life with is circumstances. And so what happens is when Ryan's encouraging us or you hear a message or anybody at a church hears a message, when you strain the message or the truth through what you're going through, it always gets diluted or polluted. I want you to understand this. When you strain your circumstances through the truth, then those circumstances get purified and you start to see them rightly. Are you following me? When your strainer is circumstance-based, then truth has to now go through that strainer and you determine now whether or not you'll believe what it was said based upon whether or not it came out okay after you filtered it through your circumstances. But if we could flip that inside of our life and go, you know what, I believe this and everything that I go through, everything that I feel, I'm going to filter it through the strainer called truth then you start to walk in a different realm. It's called the kingdom of God. And we're going to continue on this series. It's going to be the last time I do this message for this month called From Faith to Faith. And each of us in this room, we're on a journey of faith and trust with our Heavenly Father. And I mentioned this months before, but this journey that we are on is not one of destination. It's one of development and transformation. Now, this is extremely important to understand because as you live your life, we're always waiting to get there. Like, I just want to get there, and I just want to, man, I'm just, God, take me there, and God, bring me to that place. And when you get your mind fixated on a destination, because God could have taken the children of Israel down the Mesopotamia in 9 to 11 days. But he chose to bring them through the wilderness. Why? Because he wanted to transform them from a people that were slave-minded to a people that were bride-minded. Are you following me? He wanted a relationship, and he wants a relationship with all of us. And so this journey that we're on is one of development and transformation. So in God's eyes, he's not disappointed that you're not here. He wants to make sure that while you're on this journey that you're discovering who he is for you and who you are to him. That is priority number one because it's out of us now knowing who God is to us and who we are to him, everything stems from that. So when I, let me give you an example and I use this often because it's just so real to us. My daughter was diagnosed, as you know, with diabetes 1. Our desire as parents is that she would be what? Healed. That the destination would be here. We want our daughter well, and we want our daughter well now. But God wants to reveal something in that season of us. So he, although wants our daughter well just as much as we do, if not more, he says, Justin, I want to reveal to you who I am for you right now which is your sustainer or your comforter. And now what happens is I begin to understand that God is in every facet of the journey, so I'm not eager to get to the promised land. 
I'm willing to go, God, this is between you and I. You want a deeper relationship. You want to know me, and you want me to know you more. Now the journey is about intimacy. It's not about destination. It's not about how could I get God to get me here, or what do I need to do God to get there, and you must be so disappointed that I'm not there when in fact God is going, Justin, this is about an intimate relationship with you and I. If this was just transactional and I was just going to be the person that was going to guide you to a destination, then I would be a tour guide and I wouldn't be a shepherd. Big difference. And so he's growing us individually and collectively into his people who are called by his name and who represent him wherever that we go. I want to remind you that God chose you. Like when he was picking teams, he chose you, and you weren't just the last person. You know how that feels. No, he chose each and every one of us and says, I want you on my roster. I want you on my roster. I want you on my roster. I want you a part of what I'm doing here. He specifically chose you. And so this journey is one of discovery and intimacy of who he is for us and who we are to him. My hope over this past year that we've been going as a church plan is that the pressure, and I'm sure many of you in this room feel this pressure. If you don't feel it, you feel the disappointment of the other side of it. My hope is that the pressure to perform, to earn, and to impress God is lifting from your life. Because when you live with that pressure, you never fully measure up. You may feel good like one day, man, I just rocked it. I listened to sermons on YouTube. I read the Bible. I was nice to my, 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 my wife, and I visited my grandma. I, I know I struggle in that area. Um, but you never, you feel like, man, I'm just doing so well. And then one day you just mess up. You're like, oh, I just don't measure up. I can never fully make God happy. I can never fully impress him. My performance is always minimal. And I pray that that's lifting from your life. But when it lifts, you know what it does? It doesn't translate into go, oh, good, I don't have to please God. No, it translates in, oh, good, you're pleased because of Jesus. And now I get to live in response to what Jesus did. Now I'm not trying to perform for you. I get to just be your son. That's a huge difference. That's living in a place of rest. You're no longer striving to somehow make this uh, holy, righteous God happy with you. Because you can't. And that we're beginning to know God and enjoy his presence. That's my prayer for all of you each and every week when I'm praying for you specifically, God, that they would have a heart and a desire to know you. And that they would learn that they can and they should enjoy his presence. In his presence is the fullness of what? But why don't we see God joyful? Think about that for a moment. In his presence is fullness of joy until we show up, right? He's like, oh, man, I just love my presence. And then we show up. He's like, ah, oh, seriously, dude? He doesn't see that way. In his presence is fullness of what? Joy. And we are allowed access to his presence. He has given us permission to his presence. And so my prayer is that we would seek him. Not because of what happens if we don't. That's not love. That's not a relationship. That is obligation. 
that because I don't know what will happen if I don't seek you, then I'm going to have the pressure to now seek you. Oh, I, I didn't read my Bible this morning. Oh, I just didn't pray. Many times the reason why you aren't, the reason why you don't want to know him is because you know you failed so many times. But when you realize it's not a consequence if you don't, that you have the opportunity to know him, to know the creator because, listen to these words, he longs, longs for a relationship with all of us. And he actually delights in you. Not the person, maybe the person next to you too, but he delights <laughs> in you. Think about that. He delights in you, that he has joy when he thinks about you. Amen? Amen? Come on. Any amens out there? Anybody believe a thing that I'm saying right now? Remember, we filter everything, our circumstances, through truth. So we don't feel like God loves us, but the truth is he does. So I'm going to filter my feelings through the fact that I know that he loves me because he sent his son to die for me and he gives me access. To I'm going to filter everything through knowing that he loves me, not, oh, I don't know if he loves me because of this. And David said these words. This must have been a revelation. I can imagine having to write this as a human. Listen to these words. Psalms 139, verse 17 might be on the screen. He says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, or to, uh, to me O God, how great is the sum of them. And sometimes, don't we believe, like, hey, God, I'll keep my distance, and I know you'll probably keep your distance, and we'll be good until I'm a little bit, feel a little bit better, and then I'll come and access you. Do you know God is thinking about you more than you could even imagine? And when he thinks about you, do you know what comes up in him? Joy. Because you are his daughter. You are his son. Now, look at this. If I should count all the thoughts that he has to me, they would be more in number than the sand. Does that not bless your heart? Does that reality not be the very thing that should guide your mind that when I wake up in the morning, I know he's been thinking about me more than I could count all the things on the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Like God is thinking about Justin all the time and when God thinks about Justin, it produces what? Joy. That he goes, man, that's my son. That's my beloved boy. Man, I delight in that young man. But he feels the same way about, say me. He is relentless in pursuing all of us. And listen to this. He has done everything to set all of us up to succeed in our relationship with him. Now let me, let me prove that for a second. He has given us total access to his presence. Like 100% permission, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You don't need to go kill a calf or a goat. He says, I'm going to give you complete access to me anytime you want you can access my presence anytime you want he has given us and granted us total forgiveness to the point where he says your transgressions i remember no more as far as the east is from the west so far are your transgressions from my memory do you see that he's setting you up he's given you everything you need to have a thriving intimate relationship with him do you know he gave us total redemption jesus was on the cross and he said what it is completely 
He doesn't have to go back on that cross. He doesn't have to die again. He doesn't have to get nailed to that cross again. Total redemption. It is finished. How about this? Complete and total freedom. For the Spirit of the Lord is there is to whom the Son has set free. He is what? Free indeed. So he not only has given us access, he not only forgave us of our sins, he not only redeemed us and purchased us back as sons and daughters, but he's also given us the freedom to live in the grace of God. Not only that, he has given us what? His word. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is living and it's powerful. That the word of God is a seed that when you plant it, it actually has the ability to produce inside your life. That when you speak it, it has the power that comes with it. He has shed his blood for us so that I can live now cleansed. Just like if you went through a car wash every day, every single day, his mercies are new every morning. And the blood of Jesus Christ has this continual ability to cleanse me and to cleanse me and to cleanse me. So I can walk in confidence and I can approach his throne boldly by what? The blood of Jesus Christ. And not only has he given us all those, he's actually released his spirit on the inside of all of us. I mean, this is good news, is it not? Like, these are truths, and some of you are still struggling to believe that these are fully true about you because you know you. And so you is getting in the way of what God said I did for all of you. And so he's given us his spirit. He says, I'm not only place my spirit in you, I'm going to place my spirit upon you so that you can go and be witnesses of me wherever you go. And I love this one. He also has made available his wisdom. I mean, think about that. The wisdom that he created the heavens and the earth with, Proverbs 3, 18 and 19, he says, I now give that to you. So the same wisdom that he gives to us is the same wisdom he used to create the heavens and the earth. It's the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 1, 30, it says that Jesus was made unto us, what? Wisdom of God. That Jesus is our wisdom and he now lives on the inside of us. So I have this on the screen. You can put that on the screen. He goes, so by his spirit, God is transforming all of us. Remember, this journey is not about destination. It's about becoming who we are. It's about transforming into the sons and daughters of God. And so he is transforming us from a people, and we all do this very slightly without even realizing, who are trying to earn his love to a people that are responding to his love. One is transactional. One says, God, if I do this, can I feel your love? The other is saying, God, my goodness, you love me. I feel your love. I'm going to now respond by living my life in response to your love. So there's nothing I do in my day, 24 hours a day. I am not trying to now engage him by my performance. I'm saying, God, you love me this much. How can I, how can I serve you? How can I just thank you for how good you've been to me? And then you have on the flip side, you go, if God loved me, then why is my marriage like this? If God loved me, then why am I financially having a tough, tough time? If God loved me, then why did this person die? And if God loved me, then why is my daughter diagnosed with diabetes and if God loved me then why did I get the report that I just got cancer and if God loved me then why did I lose my job if God so we filter now his love through what we're going through and you can't respond like that there's no faith there's no receiving 
And so we're basing his love based upon what we're going through, rather based upon he sent his son. Like, think about that. If you went to a car dealership and you saw a used car and it was $2,500, a piece of junk, okay? But you need it for your 16-year-old son's birthday. And you see that car and you go, you know what? I'm going to give you 10. Who would do that? Wait, who would do that? Just say, everybody just say, not me. Okay. (laughs) I just want to make sure you guys are listening. Nobody would pay more. They would try to actually get the guy to come down in number. Because it's not worth more than $2,500. In fact, it's probably not worth $2,500. But yet God said, he looked at us and he goes, all right, how do I prove how valuable they are to me? I'm going to send my son. And he's going to shed his blood. And now they will know, they should know how valuable they are to me. Because I took the most precious thing I have and I killed him so that they could now be in relationship with me. That's how valuable we are. And I, I posted something the other day is that God didn't die because I could now just be a forgiven sinner. No, Jesus died not just because I was a sinner. He died because sin was the very thing that kept me from stepping into who I already was, which is a son and daughter of the living God. And so he died so that he could expose my sonship. I was created in the image of God, and in the likeness of God, he created them. And now he's now, he's now picking out, man, my lost son, my lost daughter. And so Jesus dies to now bring us back to who we already were with God. And so I realize more than ever that there are some, actually even in this room, who you don't believe God truly loves you. Well, let me say it like this. You don't believe God can or wants to love you. That when I talk about his thoughts toward you, that you know they're mixed with good and what? Bad. Like if I asked you, how does God think about you sometimes? Some of you would be like, well, I'm sure he's not happy. I'm sure he's disappointed. I'm sure he's frustrated. I'm sure he's ready just to say, you know what, you can't be my son or daughter anymore. And if you believe any of those things, you believe the lie. If you're convinced that he has those thoughts toward you, you have believed a lie. That your faith is not put upon Jesus, it's now put upon you. And based upon you, God will feel toward you how you perform toward him. And we believe a lie. And that's why our faith should always go back to what did Jesus do for me on the cross? Because he loves us endlessly. And please, we all have the ability to do this, myself included. Don't let knowing that he loves you in your head keep you from believing it in your heart. Because many times we know. And this is, I hear a statement quite often, it's this. I know that, but why am I struggling with this? I know that because you've never just believed. Because believing now takes you out of the picture. Believing goes, okay, Justin, you can't be a part of this belief. I'm believing what God said. And then you're reminded of, yeah, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this thought that you had? And what about this action you did? And what about this? And you just have to go, you know what? I'm not listening to that. I'm going to just believe. What God said that he he so loved the world. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, but what reason do you have to believe? Because he said it, because he proved it, and because he's still with me every single day. He 
loves us deeply. Amen? And so a thriving relationship, and so this is kind of like section two of the message, okay? This is, it's like happy, and then you're going to hate me, and then we're going to go happy again, okay? <laughs> and so a thriving relationship with God and a fruit-bearing life. Remember, Jesus said these words, In this will I be glorified, that you produce fruit for the kingdom. So it's about a thriving relationship, and it's out of this relationship as a branch is to a vine... The responsibility of the branch is not to produce fruits. The responsibility of the branch is to what? Stay connected to the source. And it's from that connection that that connection will produce something through the branch. How many times have you heard yourself either think it or say it? You know what? I just need a little bit more what? Patience. Oh, I just need a little bit more self-control. Or you know what? I just need a little bit more this. And I just need to produce this fruit in my life. That's not a branch's even focus. Instead of saying, I need more patience, just spend time with the one that is full of patience. Instead of saying, you need more joy, go spend the one with the one who has fullness of joy, the Prince of Peace, and just stay connected to him. And it's out of that relationship that you'll start to produce. Are you following me? And so this thriving relationship, this fruit-bearing life, hinges on two words. Does anybody remember them from last week? Starts with the D, E. And why? Yep, deny self. That is the crux of whether or not you are going to live the life that God has called you to live is on two words. Have you, will you, did you deny yourself? This is huge because when I say this, we think of, oh, I want to sin, but I need to just hold back and deny myself of these cravings that I had. Do you know... He made you a new creation in Christ with new desires and a new heart. So denying yourself is not like, oh, I really want to sin, but I don't. No, you're a new man. New man doesn't want to sin. That's not denying yourself. Denying yourself is refusing to allow yourself to see life through your own self lens. And here's how I define self. Uh, go ahead, put it on the screen. It should start with I have. It's after Mark 834. Okay. This is self right here. I have a right. Now think about this. This literally could transform your thinking into seeing how Jesus lived his life. It is I have a right to live according to my feelings. Mark 8.34, they're coming around him. They're about to... This desire to follow Jesus. And he turns to the people and his disciples and he said these words. Whoever desires to come after me, let him what? Deny himself. And if this is not done, then everything that we hear is filtered through that lens or through that, that filter called self. And so now we need a gospel that makes us happy. We need a gospel that blesses us and, and meets our needs. And no longer is it about knowing God and being transformed by God because God, I don't need to be transformed. My wife does. I don't need to be transformed. My kids do. Right? 
And so now it's me seeing the world as I need you to make me happy rather than him for fulfilling me and him the source of my joy. Now if you do me wrong, I'm no longer happy. If you do me wrong, I no longer can go about my day. Now you got my... And Judy's like, why are you pointing at me? <laughs> now my whole focus and all my conversations are based upon one thing, what that person did to me. And so because I didn't deny self, I'm asking God, bless them in a very mean way. <laughs> Lord, change that person, change my boss, change my parents, change my kids, because this is not making me happy. Now look at this. I have a right, that's what self says. Please, when you hear these words, know you have allowance to feel. Christianity is not a don't feel a certain way. No, it's just that you do not have the right to say, because I feel this way, I am this way. And so a self-lens or a self-mindset says this, I have a right, I have a right to be hurt. I know some of you in this room are hurt. And when I talk with you, I know there's justification. There's a list that you have of why you have a right to be hurt rather than to be free. And because self is at the front, I have a right because you don't know what they said to me. You don't know how they spoke to me. You don't know what they did to me. They owed me this and they didn't do it. They stole this from me. They spoke behind my back. And so I have a right to be hurt. And Jesus would say, deny yourself and watch how you can live a life that's kingdom living. It's not denying that you felt that way. It's denying the self that you have a right to be hurt. And so now when you relinquish that right, and this may take some time, and this takes a renewing of the mind, but when you relinquish that right, you can now go, I hurt for them. I know you've heard me say these words before, but let me read this. Jack, or, um, Nico, it's not going to be on the screen. I want to read this to you. 1 Peter chapter 2. Listen to this. Servants, verse 18, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to who? The harsh. For this is commendable if because of a conscience toward God, one endures grief and suffering wrongfully. For what credit is if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? No, you deserved it. But it says this, but when you do good and you suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable to be before God. But how many of us, when we are suffering or dealt wrongfully by somebody else, we make a quick phone call to five people <laughs> or a quick post to a hundred people. Let them know I was done what? Yep. And I have a right to now be hurt because of what they did. And I know some of your minds are like, I, what are you talking about, Justin? I do have a right. Like, I fully have the right to be hurt by them. Are you saying don't hurt? No, I'm just saying relinquish the right to say that's, what, that's me. Father, I thank you for my brother back there. I ask in Jesus' name that whatever words you're speaking to his heart, that Father God, I just speak freedom all over his life. 
And I thank you that he's rising up and to be a mature son of God who represents your kingdom, preaches your gospel, and is not moved by what people have said or what they didn't do or what didn't happen in his life. But I thank you that he is secure in being a son of God. And I call you up, man. I call you up into these things. When you catch them, you catch them quickly, and the Spirit of God will cause these things to happen inside your life. You do not transform yourself. You let the Spirit of God do it inside your heart. Self says, that, oh, let me read that. I'm going to keep on going. For to you, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who, when he was reviled, he did not revile in what? Return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to the one who judges righteously. That's him giving up his right to die for a people who were crucifying him. They chose, is it Barabbas? Is that how you say his name? They chose Barabbas instead of Jesus. And yet he still willingly went to the cross for all of us, yet while we were still sinners, yet he died for us. He gave up the right. Father, not my will, but your will be done. I give my right up to having my will as I serve you. Oh God, I'll do this, but don't send me. God, I'll do this, but don't ask me to. And what we did is we now put self in place. Are you following me? So self says, I have a right to be bitter. And I have justification. Here's all the reasons why I have a right to hold bitterness down inside my heart. Because they did this. And Jesus, I know you understand. And so when we take on that right to be hurt and to be bitter, what happens? It affects our prayers. Our prayers are now consumed by pain and by not, not, not by freedom. Our, 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 our joy levels go down because it's sucking the life out of us that somehow, some way, God didn't kill them and they're still doing life and now they hurt me though. And so what happens is we don't give up that right. It affects our relationship with God. How about this? I have a right to harbor unforgiveness. I've heard this statement before. You've probably seen it on TV, but you probably heard somebody say before, I could never forgive them. And I don't, real, I don't know if people realize the power of that statement because you have now given all power over to one person rather than say, God, I don't know how, I don't know how you forgave me, but as you have forgiven me, I forgive every single person that has done me wrong. Father, hold this not to their account. Are you beginning to see it's not some super human power now as a believer? No, you're just learning how to live by denying yourself so you can live fully of who you are in Christ Jesus. He is, because, he is calling us to become love. He is calling us to walk in the gentleness and the kindness. Why? Because that's who we are. How about this? I have the, I have the right to protect myself because others have hurt me. Once you hold on to that right that I have a right to be hurt, you now hold on to the right, I'm going to protect myself. No way will they ever or anyone ever do that again to me. And so what do we do? We build our little walls, not realizing that those walls not only keep somebody from hurting you, they also keep people from loving you, specifically our Father. How about this? I have a right. I'm going to say this. I, I really feel like I need to to some parents. I have a right to retaliate. 
I don't have a right to retaliate to my daughter when she has a bad attitude. I have a right to love her, to discipline her, a right to uh, 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 correct what she's going through, but I do not have a right to make sure she feels how she just made me feel. So I won't use my words to dig. I use my words to bless. Are you guys catching this? Like, I can just feel the Spirit of God just knowing that there's so much freedom in the words that I'm sharing because it's not do this and do this and guys, you need to be better Christians. No, you guys have Jesus Christ and the the Spirit of God residing on the inside of you. All you have to do is deny your old man who you used to be and how you used to think and now open up your eyes and see life from a different perspective. This is not hard to do this because this is, this is not who you are. This is your old man. How about this one? I have a right to hold on to the past. I did this and that's therefore who I am. I'm the prodigal son. No, you're a son who came home. You were dead and now you're alive. You were lost and now you are found. You no longer have prodigal before your name son. It's now prodigal replaced by beloved. And I don't know what you did in your past. But whatever it is, you've labeled something, son, this daughter, and I just want to remind you, no, it's beloved, 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 beloved all day long because he believes the, the blood of Jesus Christ more than we do sometimes. And he gives us permission to also believe what he believes, which is in the blood. Think about this for a moment. Religion is so attractive and so destructive because it is self-centered. Religion says, come here and I will make you better. Christianity says, come here and let's just remind you that old man's dead. And your new man is created in Christ Jesus and true righteousness and holiness. Now you're not trying to become better and you're not condemned when you've fallen short because you're no longer self-centered. Christianity is Christ-centered. I put all my trust and all my faith and all my joy comes from the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. So my faith is now placed upon the sacrifice that was made on my behalf so I could have this relationship with God that is not based upon me. It's based upon Christ. Father, I pray for my brother. I thank you that these words, I just see these words almost like a, a, a bucket of oil just overwhelming you and so I just pray that these words will continue to cleanse everything old ways of thinking old patterns shame guilt condemnation father I thank you that this brother is getting completely free to believe what you believe in Jesus name amen and so God is transforming all of us into his people we are a chosen people we are a royal people we are a holy people we are a special people of God. That's who we are, and He's transforming us into that. He's transforming us into sons and daughters, and He's ridding us of this orphan, self, sin conscious mindset so that we can carry His presence wherever He sends us. Look at this verse in the 2 Corinthians 2.15. For we are to God the fragrance of what? Christ among those who are being saved. If you have a bottle of cologne, but you never spray it, does anybody ever benefit from the fragrance that's in the bottle? Nope. And that's why it says, let men see your works so that they may what? Glorify God. And it says this, is that, or have, you ever, have you ever seen those 
candles that you plug in and they heat up and then the wax melts. When the wax is hard, you can smell it from about an inch away. But when it's melted, amen, in the presence of God and you are soft toward God, what happens is people now, the, the, the length of that aroma begins to spread larger and larger and larger and larger. The same thing with a candle. It will start here, but it could fill an entire room or entire house if it's allowed to remain in that soft state for a given time. Romans 8, 14 and 16. Are you guys still with me so far? It says, the mature children of God. Say, that's me. I, say, I, I hope that's me. <laughs> the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Spirit of God. It says, you did not receive the religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. That's, I believe, one of my missions in raising up sons and daughters is to remind you that this is not a religion that we're partaking of. I'm not asking you to go back into functional Christianity and, hey, hey, guys, make sure you do this and make sure you do this and make sure you read your Bible and make sure you pray and make sure... I could do that to my um, bloom in the face and you can go out and do all those things, but it's not, if it's not based upon an intimate relationship with God, but actually to, do, to, perf to create a relationship with God, it will lose its power very quickly. But look at this. It, that leads you back to not being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Another translation says the spirit of sonship. What that means is that you are fully accepted by God. I mean, these are striking terms, aren't they? Like these boggle your mind at times. Enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned again. For as he rises up within us, our spirits are joined, joined him saying the words of tender affection... Beloved Father or Abba Father. I know I encouraged you a number of months, but I want to encourage you again. When you pray, rather than always just saying God, say Father. Or say Abba. And watch the change that it makes when you pray. Look at verse number 16. It says, For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. That's my prayer as well for you. Holy Spirit, even as I'm preaching, that you will make this real to them. You don't make this real. You don't have to force yourself into this. You just have to receive. Holy Spirit, help me to see this the way that I need to. And he says, and he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's what? Beloved child. Does it get any better than this? Truthfully, does it, does it, it never gets old to me to realize that's how he sees me. That's what the Spirit is whispering every single day is, Patty, you are God's beloved daughter. That's what he's whispering all day long. Peggy, you are God's beloved daughter. And we can either go, oh, I don't believe that. God, look at, look at who? Look at me. And he's like, let's stop looking at you, okay? <laughs> let's look at Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Amen. You're not the author and you're not the perfecter. So stop trying and just look to Jesus and go, I am God's beloved daughter. I am God's beloved son today. And I didn't even start the day off yet. Haven't even had a coffee yet and I still feel like I'm God's beloved daughter. Amen. So no longer do we have to live with a sense of fear, of rejection and disapproval. 
but we can now be confident that we are fully accepted and deeply loved without condition, without strings, and without hoops that we have to jump through. No longer do we have to strive to earn a place in God's kingdom, but when we're just learning now how to rest in the place that has been freely given to us. He has raised us up where? In Christ Jesus, and he has sit us, he made us to sit in heavenly places. So I just receive it. I'm not trying to get there. I didn't, I didn't go, oh, how did I get here? I don't deserve to be here. Yes, you do when your eyes are upon Jesus. No more do we have to self-preserve, self-protect, self-promote because we're not sure who's going to care for us unless we fend for ourselves. But we can now be sons and daughters who are dependent upon a father who is our shepherd because we know that he is our father. We're no longer out to prove something that we're not good enough, or that we're good enough. God, I'm good enough. I deserve this. God, I'll, I'll make you proud of me. Instead, we can just rejoice that I've been chosen. And God is breaking down the walls that we have built that surrounded us and protected us from being hurt or being disappointed. So now that we can live and abide in his love. In Romans 1.17, it says those words, um, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That's the process, that's the journey we're on, is that we're here at faith. We believe upon Jesus. We believe that he died. Three days later, he rose again. Father, I'm trusting now what you said. Are you okay? I'm trusting, Father, what, what, what you've spoken over my life. I trust what Jesus did on the cross. So, Father, help me to mature in this faith. And that's why it's deadly to compare yourself with others. You don't know what somebody's believing. You may look at what they're living, but, man, it's deadly. Father, I thank you for my brother Jim. I ask you, Father God... Just unleash the lion outside of, or that's in the inside of Father. He'll never, never be the same. I pray the fire of God would be upon this man, Father God, that he would have the inability to, to be comfortable as a, a son of God, that he would believe the gospel, and, and, and so radically, Father, he would take it to where you believe it. Father, that you have given him permission to believe everything that you say about him. And I thank you that the anointing of God is increasing on his life. I thank you that the confidence that comes from being in Jesus Christ is rising. And that he, Father God, will be, man, hell is in trouble. I can say that. Amen. It's embracing Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's holding on and it's standing firm in our Father's perspective. And it's resting. Everybody say resting. In God's love. I just got a picture that God's love was like, and these, these are not divine pictures, okay? This is a man-made picture. So I just got a picture of a, a, a raft, like those flamingo rafts that you're just sitting in. That we just rest in God's love. That we learn how to rest in his goodness. And last week I shared this, and I want you to get a situation in your mind. Something that is weighing you down, holding you back, Making you feel a certain way. Here's the definition of faith. You can throw that on the screen, Nico. Faith. All right. Faith is responding to what? Who God is and to what Jesus did for us. Okay, I want you to think about this for a moment. So you have something that's weighing on your shoulders, a care that just is constantly coming back, a financial need, whether it's some sickness in your, your marriage is not doing well or you know you just don't feel too, too happy about life. That's how you feel. That's where you're at, totally given. That's where you're at. You feel that way. You're down in the dumps. You just can't seem to pick your head off your shoulders. You're, you just feel like, you know what? I don't have reason to live. Hope is gone. 
I'm just worried about life. I, I'm frustrated with this person. And then God says this. He says, I want to invite you to walk by and not by sight. He says, Justin, I want to show you something. This is how my son Jesus lived his entire life. The Holy Spirit's now in your life to show you how to do this. So you take your situation and you go, God, who are you to me? Man, God, you're my provider. All right. I'm going to respond to your provision that I don't see rather than respond to the lack of provision that I do see. And so now I'm going to respond to who you are, Father. Father, I thank you for this young girl. What a special, special lady she is. I thank you for a heart that never grows tired of people. A heart for people. Lord, I thank you for a confidence that she has when she walks into this school building and she has friends that are, are completely contrary to how you see them. That she has the anointing on her life at a young age to speak words of wisdom and words of encouragement to these young girls in her life. I thank you that she stands boldly as a standard bearer for her generation. That she won't be intimidated by what others think, feel, or say about her. That she won't be timid and being bold for you, but she'll do it with a season of love, or a, a seasoning of love and grace. That grace will fill her tongue, Father God, and love will be the motive behind everything she says to her friends. So, Father God, may you just anoint her right now. May she just feel your love and be secure completely in your love for her. That she she doesn't have to measure up. She doesn't have to earn anything with you, Father God. She can just receive because she is a beloved daughter of God. And we just reaffirm that today in her life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm responding to what? To who he is. Who is God in your situation? Have you ever asked him that? Who is God for you? It's not like we're crafting a God. No, I want, I want to find out, God, who are you for me? You're a shepherd of my life. We're going to read a passage at the end of the service today. Psalms 23. Carl read it at the, the prayer meeting the other night. We had a great prayer meeting, by the way. Um, not too many people were there this time, but it was a powerful, powerful night. My daughter got touched in a way. She was crying for 15 minutes. She said she was putting tissues in her mouth to stop from crying because she felt like she saw Jesus that night. How cool is that for a daughter? And, 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 or for a father to experience that with her daughter. And I was like, I'm just so blessed because I never had that encounter when I was a kid. And for her to encounter that and then just shake because she couldn't stop crying, it's like, Man, God's spirit, I told her, I said, that God's spirit all over you. I said, you may not feel like that 24 hours a day. Or you may not feel like that for a while, but just know God touched your life that day. And so you're responding to who God is and to what Jesus did for us. God, Jesus, what did you do on the cross? Because right now, I feel so condemned. Oh, Jesus said, no, 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 there's no condemnation for you, those who are in Christ Jesus. I secured your place in Christ Jesus. I feel so ashamed of what I did. Oh, it's okay. What I did on the cross, it is finished. You know, I finished the redemption, the forgiveness of your sins. So respond to the gospel. Don't respond to your shame. Yeah, but I just feel so guilty. Oh, yeah, but the guilt and the consciousness of sin has been cleared by the blood of Jesus Christ. So now my life is responding 100%. Is it Samantha? Father, I just pray for Samantha. June, can you stand up? Just put your hand on her head if you don't mind. Father, whatever she's gone through, I just thank you in Jesus' name that right now the love of God overwhelms her. 
Samantha, God loves you so much. And I can tell you right now, he's every step of the way with you. And he is just going to now shower you with his love and his comfort. That no matter what it is that you're going through, that he's right there with you. He has not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. And I can just see him giving you a big hug and letting you know it's all going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it through. He is there with you. He's not mad and disappointed in you. His arms are open. And he has a smile on his face toward you. And he's asking his daughter to just trust him. That he's going to, be, he's going to take care of the things that you need to be taken care of. So just receive it today, okay? And let him love you. And let, be reminded that he loves you. And that's why you're here today. To be reminded about that. Amen? Amen. You're welcome, Samantha. When we walk by this faith that I'm talking about, it produces true joy. That's not dictated by your circumstances. Just think about this for a moment. The enemy's just, all he knows how to do is poke. Poke, 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 poke. And many of you, he knows where to poke. And so when he pokes here, you respond like that. <laughs> when he pokes you through your husband or he pokes you through your kids, you respond. And it just, flesh comes out. And it could be so ugly at times. Can it? Everybody's flesh is ugly. There is no pretty flesh in here. It doesn't matter how pretty you make it look or try much to hide it. No, the flesh needs to be crucified. And so what happens is when you walk by faith responding to who God is for you, when you go through a circumstance and you say, God, man, you're my shepherd? All right, Father, I just respond to you being my shepherd today. Two seconds later, man, you have the thoughts of, but it didn't change your circumstances. And so now there's this battle going on. Which one are you going to believe? And God being your shepherd or your circumstances being too big for God to handle? And sometimes we get caught up in the moment and we, get, we respond now to what our circumstances are screaming at us because the Holy Spirit, all he does is whisper. And so what happens when you walk by faith, true joy is produced at circumstances. Life no longer dictates truth in your life. Truth now is at the helm. Truth is now driving the boat. So in circumstances, the waves of the sea and the storms and the winds of the air, guess what happened when they come? You can go, I'm going to bed. That's kingdom right there, amen? Why? Because I know if, I, if they're not shutting up when I'm telling them to shut up, I'm going to go to bed and let Jesus take care of the, the declaring process then. And we can rest our head, and that's why he says he gives his beloved what sweet sleep in Proverbs chapter 4. And so when I walk by faith, I'm responding to God. What, what happens is that peace now fills me, a peace that passes all understanding that guards my mind and my heart in Christ Jesus. And so that's why this is not faking it. I'm not faking it when I have peace and I shouldn't have peace. I'm not faking it when I tell you, no, I'll tell you all my, I'll tell you all my mess. But I'm also going to remind the person that I'm telling my mess. The Prince of Peace, he lives in me. And my shepherd's going to lead me and he's going to guide me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to deliver me from this mess. Yes, I'm in it, but I'm going through it. And I'm going to rejoice as I go through it, not because I'm denying it, because I'm just acknowledging that there's a greater power in my life. His name is God. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for this woman of God, Judy. And I pray right now, I just, just cast those cares, any weight on your shoulder. I thank you that she has the freedom to be what you've called her to be. Father, I thank you that she's not concerned about this person or this situation, that she knows what I maybe am referring to. That, Father, she is able 
to just walk in love because she is loved. Jesus, the lover, lives on the inside of her and that she is not moved. She is long-suffering. She is patient. She keeps no records of wrong, Father God. She is a woman of love. May you increase that inside of her life so that she can be a living epistle of God's love wherever she goes. When you walk by faith, it causes you to overcome and conquer fear. When you walk by faith, anxiety and worry actually become something that's difficult to do. Come on, worship team, we'll close. I don't know how to stop this. <laughs> I don't like not finishing, so let me just say these words. <laughs> let me just keep on going with my message. We now rest from works and we rest in grace. Listen to this. We rest from works and we rest in grace. Please don't let anybody ever make the word grace dirty to you. No matter how many abuse it, no matter how many redefine it, never make the word grace ugly. It's a beautiful thing, for by grace we are saved. Jesus came with grace and truth. It says from grace upon grace. It's not a dirty word. It's not a, it's not a word that goes, hey, go live however you want. No, grace says it, I am God's empowering presence to cause you to become what he's called you to become. And he's given us the grace. And so we rest from works. What does that mean? I rest from trying to get something from God based upon what I do. And I rest in grace saying, holy cow, you've done it all and you've given me everything. And all you ask is for my shame and you ask for my condemnation and you ask for my past sins, and you ask for all these things that, I have, that have nothing to do with me walking in the grace of God. And so I rest from striving to make right with God. I rest from earning a place with God. I rest from wondering how me and God are, because it's not based upon me, it's based upon the Lamb. And I rest from the pressure to perform for God. But I rest in the finished work of Christ. I rest in my sonship that has been given to me. I rest in the forgiveness that has been freely granted to me. I rest in God's love that he always has for me. And I rest in God's care for me. Would you please stand as I read this final passage over your life? Psalms 23, 1 through 6. If you're comfortable enough, will you, just, uh, will you close your eyes as I read this to you? So my friend back there, she knows when service is over when I say it's time to close. So she's <laughs> triggered by words. It's pretty cool. Gary told me that. Okay, here it is. Psalms 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. And I always have more than I, I need. He offers me a resting place for me in his luxurious love. Listen, listen to this. He offers me a resting place for me in his luxurious love. And his tracks take me on the oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and that's where he revives my life. He opens before me the pathway to God's pleasure. And he leads me along in the footsteps of his righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness. Let me read that again. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. And you remain close to me, and you lead me through it all 
the way and your authority is my strength and that's my peace. And the comfort of your love takes away my fear. And I'll never be lonely for you are always near. Two more verses. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit and you give me all I can drink until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and your love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be with you forever. Father, I bless your people with those words. You are a shepherd. You are a best friend. And so I just thank you, Father God, for showing up today for using me as a vessel to declare your word, that the anointing of God would be upon your word and that it has the ability to penetrate hearts so that when we leave here today, we leave with joy and peace and love and that life will no longer dictate whether truth is abounding in our life because we believe you. And so we respond to who you are, Father God. And we respond to what Jesus did for us on that cross. And so I declare circumstances in life and the cares of this life, you have no power. You have no influencing ways in our mind. You will not dictate to me how I live for Jesus. And we bless your name today. And I bless your sons and daughters today. And I speak freedom over there, over their life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise in this place. Amen.